Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Fail Mary podcast with me, Marcus Kenmere. We are five weeks down and another 15 games to unpack, digest and generally obsess over. Coming up, uh, the story on the importance of adjustments in the NFL, as well as uh, the mailbag, games of the week and the Akastaka after last week's roaring success. Uh, first of all, though, the headlines. The Broncos recorded their first win of the season, winning 20-13 over the Chargers. Uh, Denver rushed for 191 yards as Philip Rivers threw for two interceptions and no touchdowns. In the battle of the backups, the Carolina Panthers beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 34-27. Gardner Minshew was the better of the two QBs, throwing for 374 yards and two touchdowns, but ultimately lost to Kyle Allen. Uh, a friend of mine messaged me and said that he's going to start a drinking game where every time I say the word scheme, he's going to do a shot. Well, when it stops being true, I'll stop saying it. Scheme, scheme, scheme. Kyle Allen won because of scheme. <laughs> Moving on. The Chiefs have recorded their first loss of the season, 19-13 to the Colts. Uh, the Colts absolutely dominated up the front. They rushed for 180 yards and kept the ball for 15 minutes longer than Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the best way to beat Mahomes, it looks like, is just to sort of not let him play at all. Like when you're playing against your younger brother and you just hold the ball up above his head and don't let him do anything. Uh, it was a mixed week for the first round rookie QBs. Kyler Murray recorded his first win, 26-23 against the Bengals. Daniel Jones, however, lost for the New York Giants, they went down 28-10 to the Vikings. Kyler Murray led his team in rushing with 91 yards. That is more than the entire Giants team rushed for in their game. It's slightly worrying. Uh, Jay Gruden was fired from Washington after the Pats, after losing to the Patriots 33-7. Uh, in North London, the Oakland Raiders and their head coach, John Gruden, brother of Jay, upset the Bears winning 24-21. This means that uh, Oakland and Detroit are both currently seeded sixth and are playoff bound due to superior conference records. Mm. I was at that game on the, uh, on the, at the Tottenham Stadium, which is amazing. And the thing that really stood out is Derek Carr's leadership within the Oakland team is just unbelievable. Chase Daniels was the Chicago Bears QB and he was terrible. But Derek Carr lives and breathes every single snap, every run play. You see he basically runs it in his mind as well. It was fantastic to watch and he definitely is franchise quality as a quarterback and that will do for the headlines so we'll now move on to story of the week which is the importance of adjustments so we're getting to the point in the season where teams are starting to work people out in the first few games of the season, it's about what you did in the off-season. How have you changed yourselves from last year, and how will that help you this season? A good example of this being Dallas. You know, Dallas were historically a team that liked to run the ball a lot. They had Zeke, they weren't sure about Dak, so all they did was run, run, run. And then the first three games in this season, they ran an offense that was based around pretending to run and then passing the ball with their new offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. They scored 30-plus points in each of their first three games. Uh, but as it advances and as teams see more film on each other, they start to work out how to stop you. A good example of this was the Colts and the Chiefs, Chiefs this week. The way to stop Patrick Mahomes is don't let him play. Run the ball. The Chiefs aren't that good at stopping the run. Run the ball. Keep Mahomes off the field. Now, 
good teams and coaches will make adjustments as they go along. They'll introduce things to the passing and the run game, which are they're called wrinkles, for those who want to know the specifics. They'll play in new ways. Uh, the Patriots are always do this. They're renowned for it. The uh, different players each week are always going off. They have a variety of different skill... Diff- people with different skill sets at the same position. So they're sort of a Swiss army knife of the NFL. They have players that will do a job in many different ways and each week they will handpick which players are going to be the ones to go off that week and always seems to work for them, which is very impressive. <clears throat> but what happens when your adjustments make you worse? And I want you to follow my change of logic here for a moment. Sean McVay is in his third season of coaching. I know it feels like he's been around forever, but this is actually only his third full season. And the first two seasons were wild coaching success. He's had two division titles and a trip to the Super Bowl and just genuinely been so good and so high-powered and scored so many points that people who've worked with him have started to get hired, maybe slightly preemptively. Uh, two examples of this are Matt LaFleur, who's now head coach at Green Bay, and Zach Taylor, who's head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. And the reason that everyone was so enraptured with Sean McVay's system is it because it put up a lot of points and no one could really work out how to stop it. And it looked great, and there was a lot of intricate passing plays to open receivers, but it was actually based on a very dominant and powerful running game, which required a very, very strong O-line and a star running back. But they had both, so it was fine. And that worked out for two years or so. Well, one year and 17 games, and then it all fell apart in the Super Bowl. But let's just say two years for continuity. Worked out for two years, but now, in this season, they're 3-2, and two, they're third in their division, and they've lost two in a row. And people are, fairly enough, asking, what's going on, Rams? Come on, what's happening? Um, And the reason they've lost the last two games is because the adjustment they've made is awful. I mean, it just makes no sense. Uh, They won their first three, and it didn't look great. And it was clear that their their O-line and Todd Gurley weren't what they used to be. I mean, Todd Gurley's knees, I think my grandfather has better knees, and one of them is just completely artificial. But Todd Gurley really is struggling to run with any of the ability that he did did in the previous two seasons. And the O-line as well, they've had a few injuries as well. But generally just starting to get a bit older. Whitworth, the left tackle, is now 37, which is, I mean, old for any NFL player. But our offensive line, that is particularly old. Um, So what they've done to try and take the pressure off this dominant run game is that they've tried to pass everyone to death. Big mistake. Uh, against the Bucks, which they lost, the Goff, Jared Goff threw 68 times. And against the Seahawks, he threw 49 times. To put that in context, Patrick Mahomes hasn't thrown for more than 44 times all season. So what they've done is, within the space of a week between Game 3 and Game th- 4, they've suddenly gone, OK, Goff, it's all on you now. We're going we're gonna to pass the ball a lot. We're going to use our receiving core and our scheme. And you're going to carry the team. Well, Goff's good but not great. He has a good but not great receiving core that relies more on its scheme and play action than just being wide open because they're amazingly talented. And the passing patterns haven't changed that much, so people still recognise them and are learning how to cover them. And on top of all that, the O-line in general is weaker, so Goff's having to do all of this, but faster than he would usually have to because the, the rush that people are getting on their offensive line is working more efficiently. So this has just led generally to more sacks and more picks and just 
the horrible misery and pain for Jared Goff, who was not at all ready, as no one would be, to suddenly pass over 50 times per game. This, in turn, makes it harder for the Rams' defence, which was good last year, but still has a huge problem in just giving up massive plays. Marcus Peters gets a lot of picks, but it's because he's constantly trying to jump routes, and this leads to, especially in the Tampa Bay game, people just throwing it behind him to the open receiver that he completely ignored. Um, and the Rams aren't the only one, but they are they are the ones that have shown this most significantly. I also have a problem with the Ravens doing this. The Ravens started the season against the Dolphins, and Lamar passed for 20 times. They had this run-heavy look, which they'd been promising they were going to do all year. They had all the tight ends in, two running backs altering in and out, and Lamar doing these designed run things. And it worked really well, and they destroyed them. But by week three, he was passing 44 times. Why? Why is that happening? I don't know. Just because he torched Miami with his 20 passes does not suddenly make him Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or something. He was passing well, yes. He had a lot of open receivers because of this run game that you presented and what it required defences to do. And now, because that worked, and because you want to make an adjustment so you don't get bogged down doing one thing, you've suddenly reacted and become a pass-heavy scheme with, again... A young, inexperienced quarterback who likes to run and a receiving core that's good but not great. I don't I don't understand how that adjustment makes sense and how you think you're playing to your strengths by not doing the thing that you set up to do all of the off-season and then within three weeks, you're doing the opposite. Makes no sense to me. In fact, the only thing worse than over-adjusting is not adjusting at all. Uh, and Dallas are very guilty of this. Dallas played against the Saints two weeks ago and couldn't run and then went to Green Bay and still couldn't run and hadn't changed anything. So they haven't adjusted. The Chiefs haven't been able to stop the run all season, but they've just gone, we've got Patrick Mahomes. We don't need to stop the run. Why would we need to? We'll just pass over them and then we'll win 40-30 every game. Well, didn't work. Patrick Mahomes, as soon as he is under a ridiculous amount of pressure. All the Colts really did was run the ball on him, and when they were required to pass, did very short yardage stuff, which was very simple for them. And then, in defence, sent a lot of men after Patrick Mahomes, tried to keep in the pocket. To be fair, he did get in injured as well, which probably slowed him down. But you can't just expect that one thing that you've been doing from the beginning very well to continue to work if you don't give it any help. Defences are important, running the ball is important, and adjustments are very important. Now, there are three teams that have been really, really impressive with adjustments this year. And two of them sort of had it forced upon them and have reacted well. But I think these teams, because of how well they've performed, they've been required to perform and the differences they've had to make, it's so hard to prepare to play against these teams now because what do you... I mean, what do you try and stop? Which bit of their game do you stop? Uh, the teams are Carolina. Carolina, since losing Cam, they beat the Cardinals, where their backup quarterback, Allen, just sort of passed to their tight end over and over again. That was Olsen. Then they beat the the Texans, and that was pretty much a very low-scoring game where their defense did a lot of the work. And then they beat the Jags, and DJ Moore was their leading receiver, and Allen passed loads, but also McCaffrey did a bit as well. So... Adjustments each week, they presented something new, teams couldn't react to it, and it led to a win. Another team, Green Bay. Early in the season, their defence beat Chicago pretty much on their own. Then they ran the Vikings to death. 
And then they beat Denver. Denver and Aaron Rodgers just had one of those games where he did Aaron Rodgers stuff. And then last week, they lost to Philly and then came back this week, learnt from their mistakes and what they lost to and absolutely destroyed Dallas. And again, that is just obvious and yet difficult to carry out adjustments that they've made from week to week instead of just pounding their heads against the wall and hoping for it to suddenly start going right. Uh, but the team that really stands out for how impressive they've been in adjusting this season are the Saints. And this is why I think the Saints are playoff bounds. Since Drew Brees' injury, they beat Seattle. Uh, Alvin Kamara led that game in rushing and passing yards. Uh, they beat the Cowboys, where the defence kept the Cowboys to 10. And this week, they beat the Buccaneers with Bridgewater passing for four TDs, Michael Thomas catching two TDs, and Alvin Kamara hardly having to do anything. And it's that level of trust where they've lost Breeze, so okay, we're going to have to do something different. Firstly, we'll just play to our strengths and run the ball a lot. And then when that does, when that stops working, we'll use our defence and ask very little of our new QB. And then when we've had this new QB for a few weeks and he's had a time to settle down and learn the offence and get used to being the starter, and then he's going to pass for four TDs against a reasonably good defence in the Buccaneers. And that, I genuinely think that this injury may be the best thing that could have happened for the Saints this year because they've had to learn that they can't just rely on Drew. And every single person in the team has stepped up. And when Drew comes back in four or five weeks, they're going to be a much more complete unit because there isn't just one way of winning. They found all these different ways of winning. And these adjustments are going to be what makes the difference at the end of the season because everything starts getting closer and lower scoring and how you adjust mid-game and pre-game becomes very, very important. So, Chiefs, Ravens, Rams, Dallas, start adjusting because if you don't, you're going to be in trouble. <sighs> Chiefs are 30th in rushing yards allowed per game. 30th? How do teams even have time to rush that much on them? Rubbish. Sort it out. Okay, time to move on to the mailbag. Three more questions coming in via Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. Really good questions this week as well. You've got high standards set so far for these questions and you haven't disappointed for another week. So here they are. Question number one is, what's going on in the AFC North? Or words to that effect. Uh, well, first of all, let's discount Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. Both, they're just, it's not happening. I'm afraid. Cincinnati haven't done anything worth looking at and they're now playing fourth string people already so we can just discount them entirely. And Pittsburgh, I've complained about Pittsburgh a lot, but the problem is that when you expect your quarterback to just make plays all year long and then he gets injured in week three, you're in trouble pretty early on. So who's going to win it? It's between Baltimore and Cleveland. Um, I'm finding this one tricky. But I'm going to say Baltimore based on history. And that's a tricky one to go on because history doesn't care about how good you are now. But Baltimore's problem at the moment, apart from the fact, as I've just said, that they think they're a passing team all of a sudden, you're not. Run the ball, please, now, properly. And when I say run, I don't mean Lamar getting bored of trying to pass and just setting off on his own. I mean, like, genuine, like, scheme-designed running stuff. Do that. That works. Uh, so they need to sort that out. Also, their defence has been really poor and they're especially bad in sort of big play poorness where 
the team will be on their own 20 and go 87 yards and score a touchdown. Historically, Baltimore have a very good defense and they have good defensive coaching. So when that gets fixed, which I believe it will, then Baltimore will start to improve again. Cleveland's problem is much bigger. San Francisco exposed what I've been saying for a while against Cleveland, that you can just run it straight at them because they're good on the peripherals and corner and edge and stuff. But their linebacking group, not great. Safeties, not great. Interior linemen, not great. San Francisco just sort of pounded it straight at Cleveland all day long. And I think that's... I don't know how you fix that. And then on top of that, their (laughs) O-line became a revolving door for Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa, you have to remember, is a rookie. And he got to Baker six times in the games. He got two sacks in that game. He also, hilariously, when they played against each other in college, which is now three or four years ago, uh, Baker Mayfield planted the flag in his um, Ohio State field. And Nick Bosa took that very personally and held on to that for four years. And then finally, when he got to sack Baker back, he went and planted an imaginary flag in Cleveland, which is hilarious and wonderful. And I'm so glad he did it. So well done to Nick Bosa. But yes, Baltimore have less of a problem to fix. And actually, they're their own worst enemy at the moment, trying to be way too clever. Um, Cleveland, if you need to sort out your O-line and your D-line, that's pretty integral to like the whole sport. Like if you can't block for your QB and you can't get to their QB or stop the run, then I I don't know how you win that. That's that's pretty integral. And they've, they've looked to bring players in, which may go some way to improve. But I think Cleveland are in real trouble of falling off a cliff at this point. So Baltimore still to win the AFC North, but it's not, it's not clear cut and I'm not happy. Come on, Baltimore, sort it out. Question number two is do you buy San Francisco? Mm, another good question. Uh, so on the one hand, no, because so far they've beaten the Buccaneers in week one, the Bengals, the Steelers, and the Browns when they had two weeks to prepare. And two weeks in the NFL is a long time. So I think that win, I mean, it was huge, and they did shut them out as well, which is impressive. But two weeks, they should be winning that game anyway. On the other hand... I really like that they're running the ball so well. Their defense has been very strong, especially stopping the run and not giving up too many points. So that's been really, really good. And another thing I really like is the amount of different people they have doing things. We talked earlier about how adjustments are good. Well, I don't know who you who you try and stop first with San Francisco. They've got an amazing tight end in Kittle. He's a good player. They run the ball very well. They've got a whole host of wide receivers who do different jobs. They've got one of the fastest players in the NFL in Marquise Goodwin, who's, I think, an ex-Olympic long jumper as well, weirdly. But, yeah, there's a balance because Kyle Shanahan's obviously a very good head coach and they do have the defence and they are winning in a variety of ways, which I really like. So this week they're playing the Rams and I think this is a really big test because the Rams are expected to bounce back and they've got legitimate defensive players that will cause San Francisco a problem and offensively as well. I think they're going to, well, you would hope that McVeigh will stop trying to pass the ball a million times the game and try and do try something else against San Francisco. So it'll be interesting to see how they prepare for this game and how it, how it pans out over the course of Sunday afternoon. So ask me again next week. If they win, then yes, I 100% buy San Francisco and they're definitely going to the playoffs. If they lose, then we have to look at why they lose and how huge a problem gets exposed as they lose so 
I just don't know. It's a game I'm finding very hard to call at the moment. But do I buy them? Not 100%, not yet. I'll tell you in a week's time, hopefully. And question number three. And this one is a doozy. I like this one a lot. It is, who is the best quarterback in the NFL? Hmm. Well, if you ask history, it would suggest that it's Tom Brady, and I think that's a fair enough answer. But in the interest of having more fun than that, uh, if you ask fans, they'd say Mahomes. But there's things Mahomes really had shortcomings exposed this week. He's still, I mean, he is br unreal. Like, I'm not, I'm not, let's not pretend he's not. He's brilliant. But he's still only in his third, second year of starting, third year in the NFL. And there are still things that he gets wrong or doesn't get as well as he could. So, I mean, think about that for a moment. His ceiling is ridiculously high. Like, if, if this is how good he is now and he has room to improve, then he's going to be a real problem. Uh, Pro Football Focus, which is a, a deep statistical analysis site, says that Carson Wentz is currently the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, I like that as well, because Philadelphia have sort of limited him in how effective he can be by dropping everything for, like, two games now. Um, and then there's also... Aaron Rodgers, of course, he's been brilliant this season, but historically hasn't been great in the last few years. Drew Brees, really good, but then the Saints are winning without him, so how important is he? Deshaun Watson, again, they've lost a few games with or without him, so he's not. it's not like he's carrying the team, and it's not like Houston is entirely reliant on him. They do have a, a, co a competent defence, and they like to run the ball. So in terms of just pure carries the team on his back weekly, they don't have anything else. He elevates everyone around him and generally doesn't get much help at all. The best quarterback, I mean, you have to say Russell Wilson, don't you? They they beat the Rams. We've said this before, but if you haven't seen the footage, go back. There is one throw he throws to Tyler Lockett, who is a good wide receiver, but not he's not Deshaun Watson. Sorry, he's not um, Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins or anyone like that. He's good, but not brilliant. And Russell Wilson has been with... A tight end that no one had ever heard of and losing his best receiver just before the st season started and with a rookie called DK Metcalf who can only really run in straight lines and with this Tyler Lockett in a team that prefers to run the ball with a defense that's sort of average has been unbelievably good all season. They are four and one and they are finding ways to win each week and invariably that way to win always requires Russell Wilson either doing something ridiculously good with his feet or ridiculously good with his arm, and he's able to do both at the moment. And just the way he's elevating his entire team around him, I think it would be very hard to argue that Russell Wilson isn't the best quarterback in the NFL currently. Although I'm sure some people will. And that'll do it for the mailbag for another week. Thanks very much for your messages. If you want to get in contact, we are on Instagram at mkfailmary and Twitter with the same handle so just find us on one of them social media places and either dm us or tweet us or whatever you want to do get in contact ask your question and we'll try and get around to answering them thanks very much moving on and it is time for game of the week or games of the week as i should say pick one from the six o'clock and one from the later kickoffs and the first one is going to be the Texans at the Chiefs. It's going to be absolutely awesome to see Deshaun Watson go up against Patrick Mahomes. They've both been 
just unreal so far this season and still have room to improve. So this is a game for the future. This is going to be a game that we have to watch year on year and think, oh, God, these guys are really quite good. I don't know how anyone else is going to beat them. But this time around, what's going to matter is can the Chiefs defence get Houston off the field? Because Houston like to run the ball in order to support Watson and... The Chiefs have not been good at stopping it at all. They've brought players in to try and improve it, and they are at home, so that will help out a lot because they play better defensively at home. But if Patrick Mahone spends most of the game watching again, then the Chiefs aren't going to win. Simple as that. So keep an eye out on that one. That is Texans versus Chiefs, 6 o'clock on Sunday. The second game, and we have already talked about this one as well, this is the 49ers versus the Rams. It's at the Rams. The 49ers haven't got two weeks to prepare for it. They have they have been very successful so far and are undefeated. And the Rams have shown what their weaknesses are already. So this is about how the Rams adjust and how the 49ers prepare. Because the Rams' defense is beatable. But I wonder if running the ball, which is what the 49ers have tried to do, is the way to go about it. Because they have a very good defensive front. They always do. The secondary for the Rams is what's giving up a majority of the points so if the 49ers do win this and I think they can it's going to be because of their passing not because of their running and the Rams just have to sort out their, their situation entirely they can't try and pass the ball as much as they have been it's I mean Goff's arm will fall off before he throws another 60 passes it's just insane so this is a really interesting one to watch in terms of coaching decisions because I want to see how the 49ers try and go about beating the Rams and I want to see how Sean McVay goes about trying to sort out his own problems and it'll be very interesting to see who does a better job the young but brilliant Sean McVeigh, or the more experienced but still very very good Kyle Shanahan game of the week that is at 9.25 on Sunday I can't wait and finally it is time for what is fast becoming my favourite feature, mainly because I was right last week. For the first time, and when I say I was right, I know I wasn't 100% right, but I was 99.1% right, and my uh, my betting people decided to reward me, and they gave me the odds for the four. What happened was, I wasn't wrong about the Ravens, but I also wasn't right, so I got four and a half out of five, so they gave me the odds on the four, and just sort of discounted the Ravens game, instead of just punishing me and saying I didn't win. So... Our first winning week, properly winning week, but I'm going to have a small asterisk by it, and we're going to go for a proper 5 out of 5 this week. And this is how I'm going to do it. Akasaka, first bet, is the Saints plus 1 at the Jags. Yes, you heard that right. The Saints are plus 1 at the Jags. So the betting companies, in their infinite wisdom, think that the Jags are better. Um... This confuses me so much that I, I had to Google Saints news and just find out if someone had, like, I don't know, died in the last few days. Because why anyone would think that the Jags are... Some, I mean, it must be Gardner Minshew, isn't it? It's Minshew mania. But the the Jags just lost to Carolina. And yet, they've now got to host the Saints, who are in the same situation as Carolina. Almost identical, in fact, except their defence is better. And the Jags are favourites. I... I almost didn't pick this one because it seemed suspicious, but I think this is just one of those times when whoever's picking these odds is asleep at the wheel. That is madness. The Saints plus one at the Jags. I don't know how that would ever 
not be a win for the Saints. Number two is the Eagles plus three at the Vikings. Now, the Vikings did win last week, I know, but don't be fooled. They won because they ran the ball. The Eagles have the number one rushing defense in the NFL. It's reasonably simple maths. If they can't run, it's going to be on Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, not playing well at the moment. Everyone's talking about how he doesn't deserve that massive contract. And this is a big game. Philadelphia is a big game. Make no mistakes about it. And Kirk Cousins, in front of all of his home fans who are getting a bit annoyed at the fact they can't throw the ball, are they going to beat Philadelphia without a run game? Meanwhile, Philadelphia are going to turn around and try and run with their pro football focus chosen best quarterback in the NFL against Minnesota's defense. So it's not going to be a high scoring affair, I don't think. But plus three, all the Eagles have to do is keep it close and we win. I like those odds. I'm taking Eagles plus three at the Vikings. Number three, discuss this one a lot. 49ers plus three and a half at the Rams. The 49ers are fifth in rushing defense and second in passing defense. Even if these adjustments are brilliant from Sean McVay, there's no way that they're running away from the 49ers. They're going to keep this game close. Plus three and a half, that's more than a field goal. And all it takes is for Marcus Peters to try and cheat on a route again and for Garoppolo to throw it in behind to the speeds to Goodwin. And I'm laughing. So again, that seems like a reasonably secure one for me. Plus three and a half, that's the 49ers at the Rams. I know it's at the Rams, but that's a home game, essentially, for the 49ers. San Francisco to LA is, in the terms of American football and the NFL, that's quite a short one, and it will be quite a full San Francisco contingent that heads to that game. So, huge one there. The next one, Texans plus four and a half at the Chiefs. I'm not certain that the Texans will win this, but four and a half is a big margin for a team that can't defend the run. I don't like what the Chiefs are doing defensively at all at the moment, and I don't like that they're putting it all on the homes to do the job. No other team relies on their QB to just be special week in and win out, apart from maybe the Seahawks. Even the Texans, who ask a lot of Deshaun Watson, don't put that much of an emphasis on the Chiefs. The Chiefs are struggling to run the ball and stop the run. So plus four and a half against a team that are going to probably lose up front and just ask their QB to win it for them on their own. I'm going to bet the margin, the Texans, plus four and a half at the Chiefs. Uh, finally, I thought about this one long and hard, but I'm going to I'm going to double down and put my faith in my team. The Ravens, minus 11 versus the Bengals. <gasps> and what I'm relying on here, because minus 11 is a huge margin, and I'm not relying on Cincinnati being bad, although they are, and I'm not relying on the Ravens being at home, although they are, what I'm relying on is John Harbour looking at very basic statistics and going, hmm, Cincinnati haven't stopped the run on anyone. And we are really quite good at running when we do it properly. Why don't we just run all day and then give our defence a chance to practice against a team that aren't very good? If they don't do that, then it's not going to be 11. It's not going to be 11 point margin if they don't just assume that they can destroy Cincinnati up front. They can and they should. And if they just let Lamar handle the game without carrying it on his own and let people like Mark Ingram, who are designed to do things like this, run all day on Cincinnati, then they're going to run up the score. So fingers crossed John Harbour listens to the Fail Mary podcast. He, I mean, he probably does. He's a, he, does a, he does his research, doesn't he? He's a head coach. They've got to listen to people. That's what I'm hoping for. Please, Ravens, please run the ball. You let me down last week, sort of. So come on. This is your week to redeem yourselves. 
and that will round out the Akastaka. Saints plus one at the Jags. Eagles plus three at the Vikings. 49ers plus three and a half at the Rams. Texans plus four and a half at the Chiefs. And the Ravens minus 11 versus the Bengals. Mm-hmm. And that will round out the Akastaka. A two-pound bet on that will get you 51 pounds return. Last weekend, you got 27 pounds return because the Ravens was discounted, so it was only a four to four-fold Akka instead of a five-fold Akka. But yeah, hoping for the five out of five. Come on, Ravens, don't let me down. And that will end the show thank you very much for listening we will be back next week after another week of insane nfl action the game this week in london is at wembley as well this time that's another one worth watching just a quick shout out because that game is the buccaneers versus carolina fascinating to see how far carolina and their non-cam newton march can go on so thanks very much for listening i will see you next week <laughs> <laughs>